Hello, welcome to another episode of What's in Your Library. This is Olivia and Leah, and this week we are talking about The Nightingale by Kristen Hannah. Hannah. By Kristen Hannah. Well, I want to first start off by saying I love this book. Yeah, you do. You love this book a lot. This, I mean, this is probably like top five books. Yeah. I really like this book, but it didn't hit me the way that it hit you. Yeah. You really love this book. For sure. For sure. Um, before we start, what are you drinking? Are you drinking anything? Girl, I'm drinking a big ass cup of water and I absolutely should not be. Liv got me the prettiest, what is it, like clay wine glass? Ceramic. Oh, ceramic. Where is it it's from? It's like a mug. Um, oh shoot. Hold on, let me uh maybe I'll take a picture because it is cute as hell, so sturdy. It has a little thumb imprint. Yeah, so they're tumblers. We'll post a picture on our Instagram. So they're matching tumblers and it's from H and I ceramics. So H dot A N D dot I dot ceramics. Um, and you can see all of her stuff on Instagram. She has a lot of stuff that is crazy plant lady related. So ours has like monstera leaves on it. And I just love her mugs that I've been trying for a really long time to get a hold of her mugs. Um, because the second that she puts her shop up and it's active, it sells out in under 10 minutes. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. Makes me want to like, it makes me want to like do my crafts and... You should. I should. Um, what other news? Do we have any other news? Olivia's going to be a therapist. Oh, yeah. In like probably a week or so. I'm just waiting for cool. my background check to come back. Um, I'll be able to do real therapy. <laughs> Woohoo. I'll stop um, saying social workers aren't therapists now. <laughs> <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't though. I mean, social workers are therapists, but it's not what we are intended to be when we created, you know, social workers. But correct. While listening to this book, I'm just like trauma, trauma, trauma. <laughs> really? I'm like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, Sophie's gonna grow up with so much trauma. And then I think of like her entire generation, and I'm like, do I know anybody from that generation? You know, my great grandma would have been. From that generation but obviously she was in america not yeah not in europe at the time but it's like i mean a lot of our boys went overseas you know our young men you know mm-hmm. and it was really interesting times my grandma was born in 1945 so i guess this was like right at the end mm-hmm. so i didn't really hear much about it and i don't think i really talked to like my great grandma but she was pretty um i was pretty young when she passed away so but I can imagine that your grandma, though, just by nature of, like, her mom experiencing the war, you know, yeah. you get a little bit of that inherited trauma. But really just kind of the nuances, little things. Like, my grandma grew up in the – my great-grandma grew up in the Depression. And she would, like, still eat some foods where I'm like, Grandma, you know you don't have to eat that, right? <laughs> like, she would eat canned tomatoes and crackers. And I'm like, do you want some salt? <laughs> do you want something to go with that? And it was just like one of those things that growing up in the depression, like it's, it's she is stuck with her. She did other quirky things too that as a kid, I'm like, why is she doing that? That is so stupid. But obviously now 
Well, and it's interesting how generational trauma continues, you know, like you mm-hmm. just said how it affected my grandma and like so forth, you know, not just like, you know, I mean, this war, I don't think really so much affected my family, you know, because I mean, maybe if we were Jewish, but all right. So the book jacket in the quiet village of Carivo, Vianne Mariak says, Mariak. Mariak. Says goodbye to her husband, Antoine, as he heads for the front. She doesn't believe that the Nazis will invade France, but invade they do. In droves of marching soldiers, in caravans of trucks and tanks, in planes that fill the skies and bombs and drop bombs upon the innocent. When a German captain requisitions Vianne's home, she and her daughter must live with the enemy or lose everything. Without food or money or hope, As danger escalates all around them, she is forced to make one impossible choice after another to keep her family alive. Vianne's sister, Isabel, is a rebellious 18-year-old searching for purpose with all the reckless passion of youth. While thousands of Parisians march into the unknown terrors of war, she meets Gaetan, my favorite character, a partisan who believes the French can fight the Nazis from within France, and she falls in love as only the young can, completely. But when he betrays her, Isabel joins the resistance and never looks back, risking her lifetime and again to save others. With courage, grace, and powerful insight, best-selling author Kristen Han- Hanna captures the epic panorama of World War II and illuminates the intimate part of the history seldom seen, the women of war. The Nightingale tells a story of two sisters separated by years and experience, by ideals, passion, and circumstances, each embarking on her own dangerous path toward survival, love, and freedom in German-occupied, war-torn France. A heartbreakingly beautiful novel that celebrates the resilience of the human spirit and the durability of woman, it's a novel for everyone, a novel for a lifetime. God damn. Um, <laughs> okay. I like the um, the part where she's talking about it being like, we don't normally get to see the perspective of women. Yeah. And this book really is woman-focused. Totally. And I love it. Same. Maybe that's why I like it so much, because you see like these two sisters that are such polar opposites, right? And how they <laughs> act. And I mean, just like this, <laughs> what they believe in. But ultimately, they're doing the same thing. And it's it's great. It's I love that the author was able to give us two different perspectives, or not two different perspectives necessarily, but um, two different experiences of women during that time, right? You've got Isabel, who's like, I'm going to join the resistance. Like, I'm going to do something big, whatever, whatever. And then you've got Vianne, who is... I'm just going to try to survive. I've got a kid to think about. You know, I don't have the the ability to be reckless because I have to think about my daughter and I'm hoping that my husband will come home. The whole time. Yeah. Antoine will be home. Antoine, Antoine will be home. Antoine. <laughs> um, but still, you know, even with that, she ends up, you know, being a little resistance herself by saving the Jewish kids. 
seriously. But, you know, she kept saying how brave Isabel was in the beginning, but I don't, or in like kind of towards the end, I mean, and she didn't give herself enough credit. Like what she went through, like holding down her fort, you know, I totally get it. Like a woman that wanted to stay in her home, this home that's like been in her family for hundreds of years. Sounds gorgeous, by the way, with the, you know, she had a vegetable garden, a fruit garden, trees everywhere. I don't blame her for staying there. And I think that in itself was a a battle, not even just helping the Jewish children, you know, just trying to survive and, and stay alive there. Yeah, it really made me appreciate some things that, you know, even though we are still in our war, just the things of her like putting on multiple pairs of socks and wearing literally every piece of clothing that she had to try to stay warm. And it's like things, you know, happened. But when you hear it in the story where you're, you know, attaching to the character a little bit, and you're starting to fall in love with the characters. And man, how do people survive? Seriously. And what I think is really interesting which i guess that's my word today is interesting (laughs) but i like that we've read books from you know inside germany other you know forms of resistance you know with that maybe with the alice network and Mm -hmm. um what's the other one that we read uh well we've read daughter of the reich which is in germany Mm -hmm. the alice network french which alice network i mean was french too I meant to check if they were in Carrivo as well. I could have swear I've heard that word before, but I know or the name of that town. But what I love about the Nightingale is that you see the struggle, like in the Alice Network. I don't know. That's not what it's about. Yeah, it was. It it, you know they were living, they were fighting it. Whatever. I know that there was like some torture that happened in it, but like you see the day to day struggle. And V Ann was there alone for years. Like Sophie was a young girl and then was a teen by the time Antoine came back darn near. And she was definitely a parentified child. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Seriously. Love it though. Yeah. So our questions came from. So these questions are from uh, kristenhanna.com. So it's from the author's website. So the website has 14 questions. We highlighted the ones that we want to do. They're pretty good, though, if you have your own book club to sit, drink wine, eat your cheese. Okay. So we're going to start out with question number two. Take a moment to talk about the narrative structure of The Nightingale. Why do you think Kristen and Hannah chose to keep the narrator's identity a secret in the beginning and the end of the novel? Were you surprised by who it turned out to be? Did you go back and reread the beginning of the novel once you finished? Were you satisfied when you discovered who was narrating? I actually really like the way that she structured the novel where it like starts off as the old woman. It it doesn't like flash back too often. You know how some books do that where they like flash back to the present time too many times? Yeah. I think this one only did it like less than five times. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, who's telling the story? And once you meet Vianne and you meet um, Isabel, I feel like you kind of just automatically assume who it is. I automatically assumed that it was Isabel. Same. And I don't know why that was. I don't know if it's because like the book kind of started out more about Isabel. 
like, you know, it was that she was the one that was lonely because she couldn't get, you know, she kept getting kicked out of these schools and her dad didn't want her. So it seemed to be more like it was about her. And maybe that's why. Yeah. I'm not sure but why I it's never, either. I never even questioned who it was until the very end when I'm like, what? It was Vianne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I was. My job probably dropped because I'm super dramatic when I'm listening to books. <laughs> this book is also pretty long. I think it's. 18 hours 20 hours yeah i mean we gave ourselves a lot of time to listen to this book and then because we have read this book twice going back through the book and knowing that it's vian it totally does give me a different a different feel throughout the book it feels less surprising the entire book maybe it's because it's the second time we read it but it just yeah I was able to kind of think and focus on different aspects of the book. More so, I think, like, the relationships between people. I'm not just trying to think, like, who is this old lady? Like, must be Isabel. It's Isabel. But when you know it's not Isabel, you're kind of anticipating, like, well, when is the end for Isabel? Even though I know that it wasn't Isabel, I knew it was Vianne. It just has a different different ending for, for people. Well, and then I kept being like, who is Julian? I couldn't remember. Because, <laughs> like, it's been a while since we read it. And so I couldn't remember whether or not Beck, the first German that billeted at her house, was the one that raped her. And then after he dies, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is another one. Okay. That's what I thought, too. And I'm like, Beck's not such a bad guy. I'm like, oh, this f- coming in. Yeah. Well, and then, too, I kept being like, is Julian, um, what's his name? Antoine? Danielle. Danielle. They keep make it sound like that. Daniel. Oh. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, and I thought, well, did they move to America? Because I'm like, I know I remember, but I don't remember. I'm like, did they move to America? <laughs> and then change his name to Julian? I was like, no. Yeah. So. And then when that part happens, your heart's like ripped out again. <laughs> <laughs> this story has a lot of, a lot of tragedy in it. It really does. It's not even a happy story per se i think it's uh we'll get to it but it's not yeah so the next question the sisters isabel and vianne respond to war in very different ways isabel reacts with anger defiance risking her life to join the resistance against nazi occupation vianne proceeds with caution and fear avoiding conflicts for the sake of her children all the time my children (laughs) who do you admire or who Oh, who do you admire or relate to or sympathize with more, Vianne or Isabel? Discuss your reasons. I relate more to Vianne. Like, I could not see myself in Isabel's shoes. Straight up when she got caught and was getting beat, I'm like, yep, that's not me. Just kill me. <laughs> She's like, kill me. <laughs> and when she goes to the camp, I'm like, kill me. I don't even, nope. I remember this one story and I don't know where I heard it from but it was a woman who was in a concentration camp and all she had left was like this gorgeous ring and she didn't want to lose it so she kept eating it and pooping it out eating it and pooping it out like all the time Mm -hmm. it's so sad what people had to go through and I'm feel so sorry that people go through this people still go through this like since then there have been other you know attempts at genocide or i can we call i mean i guess it is genocide it It is Mm -hmm. you know um and it's just sad that we treat other humans like this like i can't imagine doing that 
And I know there's like the psychology of like you go along with what people are doing, right? Which is how maybe some Nazis were excused. But like, I would rather just kill myself than treat somebody yeah. like that. Like, couldn't imagine. I kept thinking like if I ever ended up at a camp, I would find a way to – like I'm not going to – I'm going to go out, but I'm not going to go out alone. Like I'm going to at least attempt to take out one of the soldiers with me. You are in whatever Isabel. way. Like <laughs> – because I'm like, no way. I'm not going to sit down and like endure that. Because do I even want to live after that? No. Yeah. I do not want to live with that trauma. The depression would be insane. Like, especially if I was like Isabel and I didn't have children. Nope. And I think that's the, the differences, right? If Isabel had children, she would probably be just like Vianne, right? You can't go off yeah. and, you know, try to be this, you know, part of the resist. I mean, I'm sure there were people who had children in the resistance, but you got to pick your battles. And so I think I, I don't, I don't admire one more than the other. I don't know if I relate to one more than the other. I mean, maybe I guess Vianne, because I, you know, I guess I would be more maternal and I would probably like rather not hike across the Pyrenees <laughs> a multiple oh, times. <laughs> Sounds hard. I mean, I guess I like hiking. So like, I guess I'll try it, but you're not even in the right clothes. <laughs> I keep thinking about how they are hiking, hiking in the dark. Yeah. And I'm like, how? How do you know where you're going? I'm sure they were going pretty slow. Yeah. But still, I'm just – I'm too lazy and out of shape for all <laughs> the stuff that Isabel did. But I totally love Vianne for being like her own stick-it-to-the-man secretive way. Like she was totally risking her daughter and her life. Yeah. Especially doing that while having Germans in her house. But – I could see definitely that maternal instinct, like, nope, there is no other option. I have to do this. Yeah. Well, and like, what were her other options? Yeah. Mother Superior being like, oh, you're not doing it. She's like, we're going to do it for one. We may as well do it for them all. It's like, that's a good point. (laughs) I loved it. Um, So many strong female characters, so many, and like such different personalities. Oh, yeah. And I like that. It shows such diversity and how women, no matter your role, I, you could do something if, you know, you're able to. And, like, no judgment for people who didn't do anything. Also super scary. And, like, during trauma, we all act differently. Yeah. Survival, man. Yeah. I would hope I would be, like, Vianne or Isabel, though. <laughs> Madame Babino you know, sounded kind of badass, though. Oh, totally. And then when she was in the concentration camp, like, her spirits were still, like, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, get up. Gotta live, gotta live. And it's like, damn. Did she die? Um, she got out with Isabel, right? Yeah, when they, she got out with Isabel because they were in the hospital together. I would have liked to know, to have known yeah. what happened. Mm-hmm. We always want a part two. Yeah, well, because you get to find out that, like, Rachel didn't survive longer than a month at Auschwitz. And her husband died. You get to kind of find out that the other parents of the children that she helped, most of them are orphans. Um, but yeah. A nuke, though, it sounded like she died. Yeah. Because she was like, welcome to this new camp. They're killing us all to hide what they did. I thought that a nuke was, uh-uh, a nuke was there at the end. I think she was one of the old ladies. Was she? I think. If you guys have, <laughs> if you guys listened or read to the end, that was a nuke, right? I'm pretty sure that was a nuke. She was there. I should, I should know this. Yeah, she was there. I want to know more about Madame Babineau, Babineau, though. Yeah. 
Just like, like when they came the knocking on her door, she's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Just like this lady living <laughs> in the woods. And then she was also like, I've known that you were whatever Isabel and Vianne's mom's name was. Like, I know that you were like her, her child. Kid the whole time. Yeah. It's pretty amazing how... The French just seem like really interesting people in general. I would love to go to France. So much rich history. And I feel like it's a lot of like collectivism. You know what I mean? Like working together for your your country. I love the way they describe the Americans though. Like every time she would meet an American airman. And she's like, they're just so loud. (laughs) Boisterous. (laughs) Totally. I love them. (laughs) That's us. I love both of them, though. Both of their stories are amazing. Two totally different experiences of the same war. Let's talk same family. Let's talk about those Nazis, though. So there was Beck, who was the second dude. Um, Captain Hill Heinrich. Oh yeah, yeah. So take a moment to talk about Beck. Is he a sympathetic character? Did you believe he was a good man or was he just trying to seduce Vianne? Did he deserve his fate? And then we'll talk about Helheimrich. I did not think that Beck was a bad guy. He definitely falls into the category of I'm just doing my job. I'm weighing over my head, but like they're going to kill me. Because the only time you see him get mean and aggressive is when he's like, they're going to kill me if I don't find this airman. Other than that, he was contributing to the food in the household. He was polite. It just, it seemed like they had some some uh, attraction going on between them, but it was not forced in any way. He was there for like 10 months or more, and he shared a little bit about his family. and Yeah, and they just had this, this um, cordial relationship when they were in the home, you know? I... I enjoyed whatever their relationship was for the most part. I mean, it was weird, but it's like two people finding common ground that like both don't want to be there, but have to make it work, you know? So yeah, totally. Um, Like if you're going to have a German billeted in your house, like he's the one to have. I could see why she was a little bit mad when her and Isabel (laughs) killed him because the, (laughs) the alternative was Heinrich and he was a piece of shit. He was mm-hmm. terrible. He was so mean. I I hated. Oh, power hungry. There were so many parts that I hated about him. But like when he made the coffee and then would dump the whole pot into the sink. Like. Oh, yeah. He just constantly throwing around his privilege and his power. And the part where she is talking about like, okay, she's like. Making sure to kind of like stay out of his way, not really express express any extreme emotion one way or another. And then all of that falls apart the second she's like, don't hurt my children. And he's and he in his eyes, she can see like he has found that thing that's going to hurt her and that he derives so much pleasure from it. Disgusting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a moment that was kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> Damn, girl, you did it. It sucks. I was glad when he finally left, but that was quite a long time with him there. And he even took her bedroom. So like took probably the biggest room of everything. Yeah. Not okay. And then got her pregnant. Well, uh, raped her and got her pregnant. Well, and it was like, it didn't seem like it was an every night thing. She mentioned that it was like only if he basically had a bad day at work and he was angry and he needed to take it out on her. 
just sick. You should see my face right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disgust. Yeah. And, but how badass is VN doing all that stuff right under his nose? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I kind of wish they had talked a little bit more about that. They only give you the very, the very first time that she's trying to gain papers from that one kid. Mm-hmm. And it's in like the baguette. But I kind of wish that they'd gone a little bit further with that. Yeah. Because, like, what did this look like? And I know they said moms, you know, or families would find her just randomly. And I guess she would just place them in the orphanage. But I I agree. I wish there was a little bit more to her story. I don't think she gave herself enough credit of how amazing she was doing, which I think kind of, you know, you saw that towards the end of. So do you believe that Beck deserved his fate? No. I don't either. I, I was actually sad. You know, he was doing a job. I wouldn't personally take my job that far <laughs> if it was to, like, steal somebody's home. But, you know, in wartime, he believed in whatever his country was telling him to believe in. And there is, I don't think with, like, maybe every military, but I think there's some level of, I don't want to call it brainwashing, but you know what I mean? You have to like sway, you have to get them to believe in that stuff in order for them to fight for you. So I think he was doing a job, but I don't, I don't think he deserved that. No, I think it was just bad fate that Isabel happened to be there for a meeting, seeing this downed officer. Like if Isabel hadn't been coming through town during that time, that officer probably would have been caught and died anyways. I kept thinking about she got down there at nighttime with him and he like dies right away. And I knew she couldn't get out. That was the thing that sucked as I was like, oh, if that car hadn't been there and she could have got out, maybe she could have like taken his body and, you know, just kind of tossed it somewhere and then they would have found it and (laughs) it would have been okay. Yeah. I don't know. Seriously. The what ifs. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think he deserved his fate though. I'm not saying he was a good man, you know, necessarily billeting at her house, but I mean about as good as you can get in that situation. Totally. I mean, cuz if he said no, then what's the consequence? The SS kill him? Like Yeah, then he's I a mean, deserter. Shoot. Like I don't even know what that looks like to betray your own. Right. I mean, they were treating innocent people like this. What would they do for somebody who actually betrayed <laughs> betrayed them? Yeah. It's just crazy how they came into this country that I'm not saying that they had any right to kick out people from Germany or hurt people in Germany, but to like go into other countries and occupy in this way is just, it's really sad that we still do this today. Mm -hmm. It is. So discuss the scene in which Ari is taken away. What do you believe is the right answer to this situation? If there is one. What would you have done in Vianne's position? You know, it's kind of interesting. This just came to my mind. So at work, um, I don't know if I've said this, but I work with kinship families. So it's, you know, grandma's taking care of grandkids, aunts, uncles, raising nieces, nephews, any kind of family or family-like relationship. And what we often see, there are instances where there is a foster family in 
another state, California, wherever, another, you know, child welfare jurisdiction. And there was a foster family and there's a family in Nevada or in another state that wants to get that child because that's their family. And so like what you see is like the foster family is so in love with the child that they will almost not do anything, but they will say that they want to adopt the child you know, and it's so like, what is the right thing? Is it the right thing for this child who's only necessarily been with this foster family for most of their life to stay there? Or should they come to be with their actual blood family to foster that relationship? I don't know. So this kind of makes me think about this situation. You know, I, I do think that Ari is bonded to Vianne though. So like that is still an emotional bond. I wouldn't consider her like a stranger, like a foster family, you know? But um, that's I would consider her kinship. I would. You guys, mm-hmm. yeah, because you guys people with non-blood relatives. Yeah, and right? then, and this come you know kind of is part of the conversation too, where there's like they're called fictive kin, you know. And so, what is more important, right, fictive kin or like a blood relationship, you know, which we consider them both the same. But I do think that Ari should be with his family, and I think the men that took him part of. I don't know, whatever organization had such a good point. Like so many Jewish people died, like let him have part of his culture. And Vianne couldn't have done that, you know, the same as a Jewish person. See, I kind of feel like it was a little selfish of the the organization. (laughs) Like I get them trying to preserve what, you know, what they have left as far as Jewish individuals go and wanting him to have that part of his his history but when i think about the fact that even though he doesn't really remember it it's the attachment is still there that he already had to leave rachel attached to vian and now he's gonna have to leave vian and attach to another totally like based on what we know about attachment styles like it's not healthy and also not only is he going to have to deal with the attachment but he's going to america like completely take him out of his environment, his culture, speak a language he doesn't know. Like, I I disagree. I think he should have stayed with Vianne. I think you make some really good points. And Vianne, I mean, fought for him, kept him safe that whole time. I mean, I see both sides for sure. Yeah. I see both sides. I can appreciate what that organization was trying to do. Yeah. But, you know, give him the option maybe when he's 18 or, or 16 or whatever that looks like back then, you know. I would have acted acted crazy if I was VN. Oh, for sure. I don't know if I would have let him go. And I know that that wouldn't have been the right thing for Ari, whatever. I don't know how I would act in that situation. I would want to act crazy. though. Hate me to court. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Straight up, take me to court. Do whatever it is that you got to do. Um, but like, I'm going to make you jump through hoops. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, like the work VN had to do to keep him safe. You know, and really, Vianne was the last link of Rachel. Maybe they're of different religions, I guess, but they are still of of similar cultures, right? They were both French. Well, they grew up together. Yeah. If anybody knows Rachel, it's going to be Vianne. Like a cousin in America, how how tight are they? Yeah. Ari should have stayed. Fine. That's my final decision. Final answer. <laughs> Can we talk about Gaetan though? Why are none of these questions about Gaetan? What do you want to talk about him? Love him. I can't wait to see who plays him. <laughs> oh yeah, the movie. So when's the movie supposed to come out? 
2021 supposed to be like this year yeah i think it was postponed but i can't find plays gayton um let me look it up real quick i think dakota fanning plays vian oh really there's a trailer i need to get on that can we post the trailer to our instagram maybe is that plagiarism we're not sure about any of this plagiarism stuff we're doing our best cite our sources man we are trying not to get in trouble um but gayton i like him he's kind of like you know in the beginning he's got that i'm bad boy you don't want to hang around me i'm a bad boy (laughs) i was in jail and they just (laughs) decided they couldn't feed us all so they let us go (laughs) and now i'm gonna fight for the french i think that this one that i'm looking at is actually it's like from the same person that came up with the babadook like is that really it Nah, this is a different one. So there is the Nightingale, <laughs> but there's the one that is based off of the movie. I'm like, the Papa Duke was, I mean, I don't want to say it was a terrible movie, but. I didn't see it. <laughs> so talk about, talk about your uh, book crush. So I thought that he was an a-hole at first when he just like left her, but I understand it. I mean, she was going to be with her sister and he was going to go off and fight. But when they reconnected, like the moment that she saw him standing in that room or whatever, sitting in that room, but he had been like secretly watching her the whole time. Like what? Mm-hmm. Loved it. Was that not your crush? Um, I guess I didn't really have a crush. It was so sad though when at the end, Isabel, you know, she comes back from the concentration camp. Yep, she makes it out. Her and um, Babadook or whatever. <laughs> what was her name? Madam <laughs> Bobby No. Madam Bobby No came out, right? And Isabella is horrifically sick. She has been coughing yeah. up blood for a very long time. I am shocked that she even lived going, totally. you know, through that because she's so sick. She has typhoid and I think pneumonia. When she finally makes it to Vianne. And she was there for like some time, you know, the doctors come in trying to get her well. And she's just, she, she ain't well. It doesn't sound like her hair is growing back much. It just, she's just super sick. And yeah. Gaetan comes. And then she's peaceful enough to die. I love it. Doesn't she die like the next day? Yeah. So sad. I just like that's all she needed. That was it. I just put- like she was living and living and living. And like, again, you know me, I'm like, Living for what? It sounds terrible. For love, mm-hmm. homie. For love. To see Gaetan again because she knew that he was alive. So sad, though. I cannot wait to see who plays him. Yeah. And I love that he finally got the option to say, I love you. Because it did kill me. Like, I, you know, she kept saying, I know he's not saying it because he's so afraid and da da da. But, like, dude, wartime. Every time y'all hook up, you don't even get to spend the night together because one of you has to leave. Like, just say, I love you. All right. And when she. <laughs> When they meet up at a camp at one point, she's like, it smells like piss and blood. And like, then they like, I don't know, I guess make love or whatever. Yeah, hook up. But yeah, just say it. It, You stink. And she's still doing this. Like, I'm sure she doesn't smell great either. Like trotting around France. Yeah, He's been living in the woods for like eight months. He sounds hot. Who do you think would play him? Oh, girl, I don't even know. Right. I'm not good with actors, which is why we like don't play this game. And I kind of see Dakota Fanning as an Isabel. Like, I don't see Dakota Fanning as a, a Vianne, but maybe, but I guess she's like our age, right? So I guess she would be a Vianne. I just think she looks so much like an Isabel. I don't know. I just, I don't really like Dakota Fanning that much. 
Dude, did you not watch I Am Sam? Oh, well, I, I mean, liked her as a kid. Okay, let me rephrase. I liked her as a child actor, not so much as an adult actor. I don't think I've seen her in anything in her adult life. I'm not very, like, hip to movies and TV anymore. Yeah. So we're flashing back to, what is it, like, 1995? Yeah, I think it's 1994. And Vian, yeah, and Vian is at the reunion, and she doesn't know that they're, like, really there to honor her sister. They're there to honor the nightingale. Um, but Julian goes along with her and he finally, he finally gets to know. Cause he's been asking about like her past and asking her about like when she lived in France and all this stuff. And she's always like, eh, and just kind of blows it off and blows it off. And at the end of the book, she finally says, okay, I'll tell you, but you don't get to know what exactly it is that she tells him. So do you think that Julian had a right to know who his real father was, would you have made the same decision Vianne did? Did we say who Julian was? When Antoine came back, she was like two or three months pregnant. And she didn't really, she tried to tell Antoine, but Antoine was like, shh, bad things. We don't need, both we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, he was just like, bad things happened to both of us. Like, didn't really, like, she never said it, but I feel like he like knew, knew, like they kind of set it up that way. So he was an amazing father to Julian, I guess, like never said anything about it. But I don't know. I wouldn't have told him. I don't think I would have. I, and I think one of the main reasons is because he he had a father. It was Antoine, you know. So what would be the point and the purpose of of telling him this you know, terrible story. Like there's this one guy I listened to Dan Savage on the Savage love cast. And that's another podcast that I really like, but he always says like, if there's something in a relationship that like would really bring significant harm to the person, like, or to your relationship, like just don't say it. And I kind of have that same philosophy a little bit. Like that would bring him so much harm for what though. I, don't see the benefit in telling him either like yeah we make the assumption that he had a great relationship with his dad um and he doesn't need to hold that baggage Mm -hmm. of what happened to his mom and then also this piece of like well now what's my identity and who am i if that's who my real father was and i was a german do you know what i mean like just kind of spiraling Mm -hmm. i don't see it being beneficial in any way and also, if that is the decision that Vianne and Antoine made together, I think that it's right for her to stay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think more so Julian didn't need to know that story. Like, I think it's interesting that this is a question when like, no, he didn't really need to know about that rape and that he was, you know, conceived out of that part of her life, instance in her life. But he needs to know about who his mom was, like who his mom's yeah. family was, needs to know about his French history. I think that is something that he needs to know. And she mentions that. Vian mentions that while she's kind of like doing this contemplating of do I tell him? And, you know, they're on their way to Paris. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, he he knows me as the the compliant wife that she would always just be like, whatever you say, honey, like, you know, to her husband, whatever you think, mm-hmm. bloody, bloody, bloody. And it's like, he doesn't know this other part of me. He doesn't know this whole 
piece of who I was. And I think that it is cool that he does get to learn that about his mom, but not only just from her mouth, because again, she's very modest about her impact yeah. on the war, um, but to see how other people that she experienced this war with and that they are honoring her and honoring Isabel is like, that's got to be the coolest thing to learn about your parent before they pass. And the whole time he's just kind of in the back corner, like, hmm, what's happening? (laughs) So confused. And I can, I mean, just as like a child, you know, you can kind of like resonate with that. Like, tell, like, tell me she was so secretive, which I'm sure is her way of sheltering. I think she might've mentioned it's like sheltering her, her child for what, they had to endure during this time but well she talks about it with sophie Mm -hmm. yeah you know like when sophie calls her out and is basically like i know that he's raping you why are you why are you going to his bed why are you making it easy for him and she's like you knew and she goes like what do you think i'm an idiot and you know, Jan's like, well, of course I didn't think you were an idiot. I'm just trying to protect you. And of course, again, as a kid, it's like, why can't I know just because I'm not an adult? It's like, no, because you don't need to know that. Yeah. But then that, that, there's also that piece of like, did his sister never tell him any of this? Yeah. And I wonder if that's why Vian didn't need to because she had Sophie to maybe talk about this stuff with if she ever did. Yeah, that is a great point. And why Did didn't we talk about Sophie in 1994? She passed away like 15 years prior to cancer, I think. How did I miss that? Yeah. So she was deceased. So okay. I think it was just Julian. I wonder if Julian and Ari like linked up after. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. We need a part two. Where Where is Madame Babineau? Yeah. Did Ari and Julian hang? What did, did Ari do okay in America? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Need to know. So I think this is a good last question. Yeah. Finally, a show of hands. Who cried or at least got a little choked up while reading this book? Which scenes moved you the most? Which character's fate would you say was the most tragic? The most point poignant? Poignant. <laughs> poignant. The most harrowing? Did the book give you a better understanding of life under Nazi occupied during occupation during world war ii did it move you inspire you haunt you and finally what will you remember most about the nightingale five million questions in one right (laughs) go (laughs) i I did not cry but leah sure as hell did dude i sobbed like a little baby the first time i listened to this book like i was doing my makeup and i had to stop i was crying so hard (laughs) i have never was it when you were crying uh i think when antoine came back and i think i finished it because the part when antoine comes back isabel comes back gaetan comes you hear the end i think that's like within an hour maybe an hour and a half and i Mm -hmm. finished it while getting ready and yeah i had to stop doing my my makeup fix my makeup and stop crying like a little baby because it it like hit me and i don't know if it was like the time i think it was the summertime and i don't know why i got so sad Aww. It is so sad. Um, such like a tragic book. They just come back and like they're just a shell of themselves for that moment, you know, as you're yeah. trying to figure out who you are again. They're so incredibly hurt from the outside in and back outside. And it was just so sad. I honestly didn't think Antoine or Isabel would make it back because <laughs> no. what they were going through. And, you know, you don't hear anything from Antoine for essentially the whole book 
Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I feel like was unrealistic about this book, like if we're being, you know, I feel like this book pretty much, she went with how things would have happened. When they are questioning Isabel about being the Nightingale, the fact that they don't believe that she's the Nightingale is fine and all. And then her dad says, like, I am. But the fact that she was there with a bunch of airmen, they would have killed her. There's no way they would have, like, just sent her off to a camp. Yeah. I think they would have just killed her. I feel like they killed her dad pretty easy, too. Yeah, like, they, they just, like, took him out that and shot really, him. That was really, like, horrific for her to witness her dad being killed. And then later, I think it was, like, a day or two later, that he's just, like, hung up for all to see in the square. Yeah, we didn't really mention that. But her dad was an alcoholic let's start this at the end. So an alcoholic was like really sure because he was in the previous, you know, world war and, um, come to find out that he's this badass. uh, He's been getting all the papers. Yeah. And he like forges papers. Yeah. Works for the Germans, but they just pay no mind to him and he's getting all the papers and he's part of the nightingale. Yeah. And so he took the rap for Isabel, who is the nightingale. And she is the nightingale that we even say this because she rescued, you know, so many uh, airmen. So he took she took I know we kind of mentioned this, but she took like, I don't know, 30 airmen um, over from France. Oh, she did more than that. Was it they more? Always, well, because at one point they they're oh, she like, took 30 many- trips. Yeah, it was like 30 trips. And she had at least three for each trip. Yeah. Did we mention that? Hopefully you read it. (laughs) Yeah, if you read it, you'll remember. Because I I Get with it, guys. Every time somebody would ask her, like, hey, how many times, like, how many trips have you taken? You need to slow down. And she's like, 24 times. And I'm like, 24 times in this many months. My God, she's going like, how often? She's crazy. Yeah. This girl was, she was amazing. Yeah. I thought the author did a really good job of explaining details of just how hard things were like crossing the Pyrenees and just little things that made you feel like the author herself has gone across the Pyrenees. Yeah. I, I completely agree. That's, I think what I love this book, the attention to detail. Yeah. When Vianne and Sophie were hungry, you feel hungry. When Isabel was crossing the Pyrenees, you felt that. Mm -hmm. And, And it was, it was great. I think this what? book gave a, a great understanding of what it was like to to live in a you know a Nazi Nazi <laughs> a Nazi occupation. Yeah. Again, I've said this before, but I really wish that I had known about historical fiction when I was in high school and learning history. Because when I'm listening to these books, I have questions. You know, mm-hmm. you you hear about all the bombing that's happening and like their town is just destroyed. Like one of the things that Vianne said that kind of stuck with me, they just barely, they just barely like brushed over it. But the cemetery near her house had been bombed and corpses were like hanging from the trees. Were they hanging because they, they hung people there or because they fell out of, they fell from the ground. I got the impression it was because the the graves had been blown up that then the body parts and the headstones had been scattered. That is disgusting. I thought the same thing. That's the impression that I got. So, and again, it's a small, they just barely brush over it. It's like while she's walking to meet Antoine. And it's like, whoa, 
Could you imagine seeing that? And could you imagine having like loved ones in that cemetery? Which I'm sure she did. Yeah. Well, she had to have, right? Having lived in there for generations. And so just pieces of that and how the city was bombed and just destroyed. And then knowing that like the Russians eventually kind of got involved. And so I wish that I had paid a little bit more attention in high school during history class, but because I feel like it, I wouldn't have so many questions about exactly how the invasions happened and where they happened. Yeah. But. Yeah. I find myself researching a lot of that as we're reading these types of novels. And if you can't tell, we love some historical fiction, specifically Nazi era. Nazi Germany era. Yeah. The World War II. Yeah. So which character's fate would you say was the most tragic? Isabel's. Yeah. I think Isabel's fate was really tragic. She did so many great things for the resistance. And I, I really wish, and I know she at the end was like, you know, this is all I wanted or whatever she said, you know, to see Gaetan or to say like to feel loved, but she didn't even, she didn't even get to live. Like she just no. got out of boarding school, you know, and, yeah. and because of the war. And so I, I wish that she got to live a full life. And I think that might be part of the reason why I just assumed Vianne in her old age was Isabel because I wanted so much for that to be her story. I feel like often the story is though that like, the risk taker, the hero, the the resistance, like they don't live long. Yeah, which I understand. She took a lot of risks and, you know, that she had knew that that would be a consequence of, you know, or a possibility of what she was doing. But honestly, it could have been a possibility of anybody at that time. Yeah, I agree. I think hers was the most tragic because, I, I don't know, it's kind of like... The, it's like, yes, and. So, like, it was really tragic, but also she got to do some really kick-ass stuff. And she was really loving it. She was at her peak, living her best life, even though it was super dangerous. She got a little cocky here and there. <laughs> yeah. But in good um, right. She was badass. She was badass. You know, she was doing these awesome things and just brushing off those stupid American and British soldiers that were like, I'm not going to listen to a girl. Yeah. But... I think she got to experience some really cool badass stuff. And unfortunately she had to feel the consequences of that. Yeah. And then she, she did, she got what she wanted at the end, which was to just belong and be loved. And she got that not only from Gaetan, but Vianne and most importantly, her dad. Yeah. Wonderful book. 10 out of 10. Is that mm. what our scale is? Is it out of oh, 10? For sure. Yeah. It's out of 100. 100 out of 100. 100%. A plus. Yeah. I think it moved me. It inspired me. Uh, I don't know if it haunts me. Maybe. Maybe just to know, like, this stuff happened. Like, it makes me very grateful that the war that we are currently in has not affected us in that way. Hell, even this pandemic, we very well could end up being in that position just based on this pandemic. So yeah. we're very lucky. A lot of gratitude. Totally. And I think there's good and bad things that you could say about where you live, but we're, we're pretty lucky in many, many ways. So love this book. You guys should 
pick it up if you haven't already. Our summary was a little all over the place. Meh, whatever. We're now summarizing through questions. So get with it. Read the book before you listen to this. Yeah. Or don't. <laughs> whatever. We accept you for who you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we will see you next time with another book that is a 10 out of 10, hopefully. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good night. See ya. Bye.